For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. How we doing? FT Live, Braun at Frazier's and be at Borgata with AJ the next day. But we're not all about, but a lot about Hall of Fame today, too, which we're excited for. We'll talk yeah. through it. Looks like some dudes are going to get in, which is great. We're going to talk to Ken Rosenthal coming up in just a sec so AJ can give him shit. But really, it's anything that, you know, AJ has a problem with. He can say something to Ken and be like, you writers, like this is one of those days where you can really, really say, you you writers all think this. Yeah. <laughs> you people that all root for your certain teams, you know, you guys all think this, but you say you don't. Exactly. A little biased action, maybe. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. You guys did that. I mean, this is one of those cases where I'm sure if you followed in the offseason when you guys were playing and you see, you know, who gets voted in or out, you're like, oh, the, the writers get to control the yeah, vote they, here. They do course. have the vets committee, too, for people to know. Like, even if you don't get voted in, eventually you can get voted in later on. And that actually includes but, someone who we'll speak to later. Roger Clemens is on our guest list today, too. But, but I mean, listen, Fraser, you know this. It's also a popularity contest. Let's not, yeah. let's not you know, kid ourselves here. You know, Gary Sheffield... There are people that won't vote for him because he might have yelled at him when he was doing a you know, question <laughs> yeah. and answer after going 0 for 4. So they're like, oh, this guy was a dick once. I'm not going to vote for him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tarnish his legacy. Things like that. So oh, it yeah. also matters what kind of person you are and if you were nice to everybody. And listen, that shouldn't be involved. But in baseball, people get their feelings hurt really easily. That That's like life in general. Like, yeah. Like you, people hold receipts. We talk about that all the time. You hold a receipt. But listen. I call them small potatoes. You get an argument with a guy. I'm the guy that comes next week when I come back home. Hey, listen, whatever happened last week, you know, you had a bad day, I had a bad day. Let's put it behind us. That's how I've always been. And most people can't do that. So, uh, yeah, 100 percent. You know, you, you got to be nice to everybody now. Be it, careful. It's not just the Hall of Fame, though. Think about this, right? I'm sure there's players you've played with. Now, performance obviously matters. you got to be a big leaguer. Yeah. But I'm sure there's players you've played with where some teams are like, this guy's great. We want to have him around. He's, yeah. he's not our best, right? He might be the end of the bench, but he's great to have around. Uh, versus the other side of that, too. This guy's a pain in the ass. It's not worth it. And a very recent example. Matt Carpenter had a great run. And two years ago was really good. Signs a deal with the Padres. He was really bad last year. Is there a chance that he's just okay with the Cardinals and they want to have someone because they've lost so many vets in such a short period of time, AJ, where it's like, wayno has gone. Obviously, Yachty in that factor two years ago. I mean, they've lost a lot and to bring Cart back might be a little bit of a helpful infusion of veteran presence. I don't think they're expecting him to be a stud at the plate. Oh, absolutely. That's why they would do that. I mean, that's the whole reason. He was there in their glory years too, don't forget. So they, they want to get back to, to guys that had no winning. Listen, they brought Lance Lynn back too. Right, another guy that let, was there, left, and went away, uh, went away, yeah. and came back. So, uh, certain teams do this more than other teams, and I'm all for it because teams that want to win, they need veteran guys around. They need veteran presence to help their young guys through situations because all teams are going to have young guys, but you need guys that can go up to a young guy in a positive way and say, "Hey, man, it's okay. You're going to get through this. 
it's a bad slump. Oh, you're 0 for 15. It's okay. You're good enough to be here. Or you made an error. Okay, this is what you say to the reporters. Whatever it is, you need those presents, and teams have gotten away from that, especially teams that aren't very good. The teams that win have these guys. They have them around. Whether it's on the bench, whether it's playing every day, whatever it is, the good teams have veteran presence, and I think more teams need it. Yeah, and hey, we spent a lot of time, so you can just look back to yesterday's episode if you want on Anthony Rendon. I'm not saying like he's destroying a clubhouse or anything, but that's not a guy no. you're signing being like, he's going to set a great example. Like, you know what I'm <laughs> no. saying? So just something to pay attention to where teams do their homework one way or the other. Let's charge the damn mound powered by T's. we got a big day, we got a lot of good guests, obviously, on the list. And we did have some signings. So let's start with this one because some fans were freaking out. They were like, Pittsburgh, what? Araldis Chapman is now joining the bullpen, not to close because that job belongs to the all-star David Bednar, but there it is. Ken uh, reporting on this one last night in agreement with the Pirates on a one-year, ten and a half million bucks for Araldis Chapman, who about triples his salary from 2023. He was a little over three million bucks for 23, signs with KC. He resurrected his career. He was great. Fastball below the whole deal back up, Todd Father. And, mm-hmm. and then KC flipped him and actually got Cole Reagans, who looks like he might be like a number one or two starter. So it worked out for everyone. And Pittsburgh's trying to replicate that. Yeah, and I think he's still got some juice left in the tank. Uh, from playing with him for two different teams, I know his lifestyle. I know the way he goes about it. He's a strong person. He throws the ball hard. He kind of tinkered with his delivery last year a little bit. I saw him during the playoffs with Texas. And uh, he kind of turns and comes down a little more to get a little more push off that backside. And he said, Poppy, you know, something different. I got to change. You know, I can't just keep throwing hard, hard, hard. I got to keep trying to hide the ball. And I said, that's a great idea. He did well. And I think it's a great pickup for Pittsburgh. It's another key cog for them, two guys. Seventh, eighth, ninth inning that can come in and help out this team. You know, is Pittsburgh's going to win it all? Probably not. But this is a good start for them and maybe another trade piece down the road, too, as well. So you got to look at both sides. Yeah, I know AJ's going to say. Yeah. <laughs> Don't, buy you, famous line? <laughs> Don't buy a house in Pittsburgh. Don't buy a house in Pittsburgh, Mr. Chapman, because you and Rowdy and uh, whoever else, what other, who else they have? Probably Mark Gonzalez. As well, yeah. Uh, I mean, you guys, there's a good chance by come June or July. You guys are packing your shit. You're out the door. So, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, it's great for Aroldis to get $10.5 million. This is a great thing for Pittsburgh. At least they're trying to spend some money. I know Bob Nutting came out and said the Pirates are going to be competitive this year. They still need more pieces. They still need more offense. They still need more pitching. But it's a nice piece. But, again, these guys, as a veteran guy, listen, you can go anywhere for three months, and you can survive for three months anywhere. Aroldis Chapman to go there for three months. If they're not in it, guess what? Bye-bye. Aroldis, you're going to go to some team, and both times that he's won a World Series, guess what he did? He got traded in the middle of the year. So it can happen. It's happened before, and it will happen again if Pittsburgh's out of it. So, I mean, again, you go anywhere for three months, and Aroldis Chapman is trying to prove it again. And Chapman's on the – or I should say Pittsburgh is on the Baltimore Orioles plan, Mm -hmm. right? Hey, we're, we're going to scrap it all down, which they did years ago already at this point. And we are just going to have a bunch of young, exciting players that cost sub $1 million. So until you get to that point, I actually think a key piece of rebuilding is adding veterans, which costs a little bit of money, like Chapman does, so you can flip them for prospects. I'll reiterate this. The most exciting young player on the Kansas City Royals is Bobby Witt Jr. Their most exciting young pitcher is Cole Reagans. They did not draft him. 
they barely developed him. Although when they brought him over, they did make some tweaks and it helped him. So that's what Pittsburgh needs to do. You can't just draft and develop if you want to completely flourish in my mind or give you yourself a much better chance, especially now in the lottery era, right? Now it's not just, oh, I have the worst record, auto, I'm going to pick first or I'm a bottom three team. You can only do that so much. So this is another reason why you do have to at least spend a little bit of money to help yourself out to eventually get Pittsburgh to that Baltimore status. Yeah, and I think, you know, you think about the contract, one year, 10 and a half. Give or take, I think that's around the ballpark for him. I mean, he's he's on the latter years of his career, but he's still throwing 95 plus. He's a guy that has has developed a, a slider and I, I think like a split change, if I'm not mistaken, some kind of change up. And, um, you know, he's gotten better. You know, he's... He's that guy. He's that Cuban missile. So he's going to keep doing that. And I think a pretty good deal for both sides. Yeah. I mean, Stevenson, Robert Stevenson got essentially 11 million bucks a year for three years. Mm -hmm. Obviously Stevenson is coming off a dynamite second half of the season and and different pitchers and Chapman, I, I guess the ding against him, AJ primarily in terms of what he does on the field is he has those stretches during a season where he just falls apart. Can't find the zone. And then even in the playoffs, like he actually was pretty effective. It was, I think it was two runs in eight innings, but you do feel like you're entering a roller coaster when he hops on the mound. But sometimes it's like it's two pitches way out of the zone, and then he gets you on three pitches right after that. So he's entertaining for me to watch. If if it's not my team, I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. No, I, listen, he's he's one of those nail biter closers, you know, high wire acts, whatever you want to call him. But he's gotten it done a long time, and he's saved a lot of big games, and he's he's blown some big games too. But Listen, he, he still throws hard, like Todd said. And, and remember last year how great he was at the Royals, and that's why the Rangers went out. Remember the Rangers struck early for him. It was like May, I think, or end of May where they went out and got him for, for Cole Reagans. And and he, when he got over to Texas, he was okay, and then he just lost pitching. He just didn't pitch for a long time because he couldn't throw a strike. But, again, he got it back, and people still believe in him, and he still has that aura about him. Best thing that he does, though, when he closes out a game, he doesn't celebrate. He just, like, stands there and stares at you. He's like, you're like okay you got me i don't and that dude is a is giant todd i'll tell you that he is way bigger in person than you think he is when you see him on tv not many pick people have bigger biceps than scooter over here he's he's worlds ahead of me tries bias dude i'm shrink cocktail for (laughs) chapman let me tell you but the the last thing i'll say with chapman that stood out to me when i was just scouring through social media people like why would he go there uh there's one reason Oh, he loves this restaurant in Pittsburgh. No, and it's nothing against Pittsburgh. I like Pittsburgh. But I'm just saying, it's this. It's just this, okay? He just won a freaking World Series title. He felt like he was underpaid last year, which, given his production, he was underpaid last year. So I bet the Pittsburgh Pirates gave him the best or one of the best, most competitive offers. It's that freaking simple, yeah, you know? 100%. I don't think you have to read into it much more. People are like, I didn't see this. And it's like, it's like why? Any, it's like any other job, dude. It's like any when when you're later in your career, it's like any other job. You're looking for, honestly, you're looking for the most money and you're yeah. looking for, you know, you want to compete, but still at the same time, you know, at the end of the year, he might have a couple of years left. So it's like, let me make what I can make. And I'm still going to go out there and fight. Don't get me wrong. When I do a job, I'm going to give it to the best of my ability. Just like a guy that works at a desk. just like a guy that works behind a dish at McDonald's. Listen, you got to work. Yeah. And you got to give it, you got to give it your best shot. And he doesn't care about playing on multiple teams. This is his sixth team. And I will say this this is my little insight because I do know some people that um, are tight with Chapman. He spends money, <laughs> he likes money. <laughs> so he's going to go for the biggest offer, right? If one team's at 10 to 5 and one's at 10 and a half, 
he's probably going there. But again, so. you mentioned the money, but it still goes back to me. Yeah, it was probably his highest offer, but he also knows, again, there's a good chance if he does well, he's going to get traded to a team in contention. So I think, Todd, you can go anywhere for three months, right? Scott, sure. you could go anywhere for three months and figure it out and then know that the back end there could be a reward with a big paycheck. I, I think this is a win-win for both teams, both sides. Yeah. I agree. And, and then the other one that pops up, and we'll get Ken's thoughts in a minute here, but first to you guys. Did you know the Dodgers signed a player? Yet another? Oh, no. Charity signed Otani. Oh. Yeah, and Yamamoto, and Teoscar Hernandez, and traded for Tyler Glass now. Just but another chip. Why not a little James Paxton action? Which, to me, actually, AJ, is a classic Dodger signing because they will sign these guys that have upside, that have dealt with injuries. There's some years where they've got, like, three, four pitchers stacked on the IL, and and sometimes none or, or maybe only one of them pops up. But Paxton has this stuff, we've talked about this, that if he's healthy for the playoffs, can he pitch a playoff game for you? He yeah. could if he's healthy, but that's yeah. the problem. Plus, this dude had a bald eagle land on him once and didn't flinch, which is awesome. Didn't even flinch. I remember when he was in Seattle, but I mean, yeah, this is just another piece for the Dodgers. We keep talking about how thin their rotation is. They're just signing multiple after Yamamoto. They're just and Glassdale. Now they're just going to start signing guys, and if they get Kershaw back, great. But they're just going to keep signing guys, and if Paxson can't pitch because he's injured, they're like oh, eleven million dollars. We we wipe our butt with that every day. We're the Guggenheim, so we don't really care. <laughs> But seriously, they just stockpile talent, stockpile pitchers. And that's why the Dodgers run make, you know, make it to the playoffs every year. They have so much depth. Not only do they have high top-end talent, someone goes down, they have someone available that has a little bit of veteran, something going on that can step in, take their place, and they're not afraid to sign these guys. And it's awesome for Dodger fans. Yeah, he barely pitched for a long time. I mean, he had six starts from 2019 to 2022. And he was still on payrolls. For years, So he's done well if you look up how much he's made. But this past season, four and a half ERA, 19 starts with Boston. Trade talks were there. Didn't end up happening. Um, and it was really in the first 10 starts. Then, then he did dip a little bit and had a knee problem also. Yes, the injuries have just been endless for him. But first 10 starts at a 2.73 ERA. So, I mean, for the Dodgers, they look for quality. I think that's pretty clear he at got, this point. And I think at the end of the year, he got his fastball velo back. And I think that was... The main thing, because when you're big like that, you have a stature like that. And when I used to face him, he had that hard fastball in and he'd throw that two seamer away. And then he'd come back with a nasty slurve kind of curveball pitch that he kind of lost to as well. So he has to throw that from what I'm reading here a little bit harder. And I think he'll be just fine. Man. It's a lefty. I mean, can't go wrong with a lefty who's throwing mid 90s. That would be great. But at the same time, if he could find a way to hit those zones and hit those spots and get away with some pitches, which he's he'll be just fine yeah oh man big maple prime james paxton with seattle it's a great nickname too it was really freaking good uh right before we bring on ken here a little shout out to teaser which we'll talk more about coming up too um as roger clemens will join us later for a little tease action but for now discount code foul f-o-u-l for 20 percent off your first order at teaserenergy.com Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, let's keep the combo going on the Dodgers for a sec as we 
bring in FT Senior Insider Ken Rosenthal right now. So, Ken, we see the James Paxton signing late last night. Starting to get a little more activity. Starting to get a little warmer with some of these signings. I'm going to guess the answer is no, but were you surprised that the Dodgers added yet another starter? Because as much talent as they've brought in, it's not like you look at their rotation and even their starter depth and go, oh my gosh, it's endless here. The rest of the depth after those first five are those young guys from last year. Right, and there are even young guys in the rotation before Paxton was added. So there are a number of questions in that rotation. If you really break it down, Yamamoto is making the transition to the U.S. It won't necessarily go smoothly. It did for Senga last year, but you can't be assured that that's going to happen. Bueller is coming off Tommy John surgery. Tyler Glass now should be healthy now, but he's had injury problems in the past. Certainly, Emmett Sheehan and Bobby Miller are promising young guys, but they are still young guys. Miller is obviously the guy who made an impact last year. So James Paxton adding to that mix is probably a good idea. And Clayton Kershaw, he still stands a chance of coming back if he wants to come back to the Dodgers. They are in a position where they will still welcome him back because, as you guys mentioned, they'll just be mixing these guys, bringing them in and out of the rotation all season long, and Kershaw can simply be part of that mix. Now, let me ask you this about the whole signing. What do you think about the money? I mean, I feel like nowadays, we're, or not nowadays, but this year, guys are signing a little bit more, I wouldn't say overpriced, but they're getting the deals that they want. You know, you think about a Chapman at 10.5, you think of Paxson at 11. Is there something uh, along the lines of this, or is this just the ongoing thing going and this is what they're worth? Todd, it's no question that starting pitchers in particular have gotten paid really well this offseason. And you go back to Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson. It started there. Frankie Montas got $16 million, barely pitched last year. Now you look at Paxton. He has not, of course, been a very durable pitcher. Teams want the few quality starters who are available. Chapman is a little bit different. People were surprised by the extent of the salary within the game. People within the game were saying, whoa, this was one team in particular. We thought he was more like a five, six million dollar guy, and he got ten and a half from the Pirates. If you look at him analytically, strikeout rate, velocity, all of the things that you can check on his baseball savant page, he was like in the 99th percentile for quite a number of those categories. So that's why he's getting paid. And yes, the numbers for the right players have been high, but as we've discussed, Todd, there are a whole lot of free agents still out there. And they're not all getting paid. That's just the reality of the market, the supply and demand nature of this. I'm sure there are still some good deals out there. There will be. There are still some really good players out there. But we're going to see some guys who get bid a little bit as well. Now, now to finish off that, is there, could the reasoning also be that you look at the guys in the playoffs who didn't have that four or five starter? Is that could be a possible explanation as well? I don't know if the playoffs are the reason for James Paxton. I don't know that okay. you can count on him for October. But what you're looking at in a general sense, Todd, as we speak more broadly, is teams recognizing we can't just have five. That's not going to work. It doesn't work in today's game. You need probably eight to ten to get through a season. They're not always all of them going to pitch the same amount of innings, of course. But from injuries, from the fact that certain guys need breathers, they might be coming off of injuries. There are all kinds of issues that take place, and starting pitchers are not relied on the same way they were years past. They are asked to do less in terms of innings, but 
in shorter bursts and in bursts that sometimes don't last for 30 to 35 starts a season. That, to me, is what's driving this. Now, when you talk about a Blake Snell or a Yamamoto's, guys with elite stuff, those are pitchers who will be asked to start a playoff game, yes, and are asked to be a difference maker in a playoff game. But I don't know that I would attribute this trend to that as much as teams simply recognizing the need and the shortage of pitchers who can take the ball every fifth day. It's kind of a dying breed in our game. Ken, can I take you back to the Kershaw part of this equation for a sec? Because he's been talked about quite a bit, I would say, by fans, especially Dodger fans, hoping that he stays with the Dodgers um, for the rest of his career, which we don't know how much longer he's going to go. He's coming off big surgery. Do you have any inclination on if it's Texas or L.A., if Texas is even real or it's more just in our heads because he's from Texas? And I'm wondering, you know, if he does sign this offseason versus waiting at some point till he's maybe more medically cleared. So any thoughts on what could surface with him? Oh, good question, Scott. Texas is real in the sense that they've talked to him in the past, past free agencies, and they have talked to him again this offseason. He is, of course, from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He still lives there, and I'm sure it has entered his mind from time to time. It would be kind of cool to pitch at home, have my kids right there with me instead of having to move them to L.A. for the summer. The other part of that, he spent his entire career with the Los Angeles Dodgers. And, of course, the idea of retiring as a Dodger has to hold a certain appeal as well. What we know about Kershaw is that he probably won't be even a factor until after the All-Star game, at the earliest. So I still see him as a Dodger because we don't know where Texas is going with Jordan Montgomery, with their finances in general. Texas would want to sign Kershaw even though they have three other pitchers, all of whom are pretty accomplished. Now, two of them are in particular, Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom. And then there's Tyler Molly. These guys are all coming back after the All-Star break. So even with that, the Rangers still would sign Kershaw. And even with the possibility of getting Jordan Montgomery, we'll just have to see where this goes. And I imagine, Scott, it is possible that he waits and waits until – later in the offseason, even into the season, to make his decision. But I would expect it would come before then. Ken, free agent signings. Aroldis Chapman to the Pirates, $10.5 million. They signed, also signed Rowdy Tellez. They made some moves, Marco Gonzalez, some other moves. Bob Nutting came out yesterday and said, we're going to be competitive. Is Aroldis Chapman, Rowdy Tellez, Marco Gonzalez enough to make the Pirates competitive? And what the f- Hell is he talking about? <laughs> oh. Well, you forgot Martin Perez. And oh, also, yeah. Mm. yeah. Exactly. I don't know if it's enough to make the Pirates competitive. They need their young players to take a step forward. There's no question about that. This is year five under general manager Ben Sherrington. The first of those years, of course, was the COVID season in 2020. And it is time for them to make some progress, show some progress. We saw it the early part of last season, but... Now we need to see more, I would think. More pointedly, owner Bob Nutting needs to see more. So Chapman with Bednar in that bullpen and some of their other pitchers, Holderman, they have what looks like it could be a very formidable bullpen. They have promising young offensive talent. There's not much doubt about that. I don't love their rotation beyond Mitch Keller, Perez. Maybe he bounces back and is good. Marco Gonzalez, fourth or fifth starter at best at this stage of his career. So 
we'll see where they are. The Chapman signing is interesting because it does signal for them a desire, clearly, to be more competitive. These other moves, to me, were sort of fill-in moves for the most part. Obviously, they brought McCutcheon back, too. That's good. But we have yet to see the Pirates really spend money. And until they do that, I don't know that we'll ever be talking about them as a serious contender. And we say, well, Ken, they're in Pittsburgh, a small market team. Yes, all true. And it's challenging. But we've seen the Reds step out this offseason. We've seen the Royals step out this offseason. It's not impossible. It can be done. Another team, Ken, that won't spend any money, the Miami Marlins. How many free agents have they signed this year? Because I can't think of one. Oh, that's right, because they haven't signed any. <laughs> Didn't they make the playoffs last year? Pretty sure they made, made the, the playoffs, playoffs last year. year. They had the manager of the year in the National League, Skip Schumacher, and yet they seemingly are devoting more time and resources to building their infrastructure than they are to the major league team. And what I wrote yesterday is that that's fine. If their infrastructure was a mess, as pretty much everyone in the organization acknowledges it was, you've got to fix that. It doesn't preclude you, though, from fixing and upgrading the major league team as well. And here's a team that talks about the future and wanting to build something long-term. Didn't make a qualifying offer to Jorge Soler, so they cost themselves a draft pick. They just are operating curiously, in my opinion. And that's why I wrote what I did yesterday. And a lot of fans say, well, why not pick this team, that team, this team? Yeah, I could get to a lot of teams and probably will. But they stand out because they are the only team that has yet to sign a major league free agent. Even the Oakland A's have signed two free agents. Now, granted, they signed them. It was Trevor Gott and Osvaldo Bito for a combined $2.25 million. It's not like they're going out on a limb here. But they've done it. And the Marlins are sitting there coming off a year in which you thought they generated some momentum and they're doing essentially nothing. It's unfair. I lived in Miami for a good chunk of time, and it's a tough city to grab attention in any way. The Marlins are at the bottom of the totem pole. They just don't care about their fan base. And this is not just one ownership group. This is multiple ownership groups. They just are are poisoned. They're unlucky. So, And I can say that because I live down there, and I'm pissed about it too, Ken. So uh, my question, though, is, though- yeah. It is difficult to grab the attention of fans there. There's no question. There's a lot to do in Miami, and it's a big city. But at the same time, here you are. You're the Marlins. You've maybe got a chance here. You've maybe got some momentum because you made the playoffs last year for the first time in a full season since the 2003 World Series, and yet you're not building off that. You're just simply saying, that was fine, but we're not that good. And, yes, they had a great record in one-run games. They didn't score a ton of runs. There was some degree of luck involved in their season. But that doesn't mean you concede and you step back, and yet that's what they're doing. And the way to also grab attention down there is to have some star power, okay? There was, in this you know recent decade or so, there was no more star power than when Jose Fernandez was on the mound. Obviously had many connections to that city, and they really you know gravitated around him. Not the same example, but... Jorge Soler is a legit 40-plus homer guy. He's a Cuban player. There are a lot of people down there that really were starting to be like, hey, I like this guy. This is like our our big power bat. He's still young enough. They don't give him a qualifying offer. This also ties into the article you put out this morning in The Athletic about DHs kind of waiting for phone calls. So just curious why the Marlins would not be entertaining. I, I know the easy answer is they're cheap. But why they wouldn't be entertaining someone like Jorge Soler 
to build around and why in general he doesn't have a team. I think he's a, he's going to have a huge year just like he did this past season. And I think he's underrated. Of all the DHs that I listed, I would say outside of J.D. Martinez and maybe Justin Turner, he's the most desirable. And those guys are desirable for slightly different reasons. Justin Turner because he's such a powerful force in a clubhouse. J.D. because he's J.D. and he's still really an accomplished hitter. Jorge Soler, though, is younger by a good amount than both those guys. He's 32. And I'm with you, Scott. He should be in demand. But I know he's only a DH, and DHs aren't as valued as highly as a player who can do both things. But if I'm the Marlins, I'm staying in touch with him, and I'm saying, okay, you're still lingering out there. What's the price? I don't know that they're doing that. I don't know that they're not. But just because you didn't give him a qualifying offer doesn't mean you still can't sign him. And they can sign him. He'll end up somewhere. He'll probably end up somewhere with a pretty good deal. There are a number of teams I listed in an article that could be looking for DHs. But the Marlins, I would not expect them to sign him. Okay, so I've been wanting to ask you this question ever since I saw your face today. The Hall of Fame voting is pretty much done. Or not pretty much done. It'll be announced, I guess, 6 o'clock. So everybody should have got their votes in today um, by the end of the day. I'm excited to see who everybody voted for, the votes that haven't gotten picked. We know you came out and showed your votes like you usually do, you, right? Right. Yeah, you're not afraid. There's a lot of guys that just don't want to show it. Okay, whatever. Do you think there's going to be some snobs? Do you think, you know, like there's a guy like – I want to talk about Gary Sheffield. He's a guy that, like, is on that border. People, whether they like him or not, in my opinion, I think he's a Hall of Famer. I'll go out there and say that with over 500 home runs. Is there a guy like him where you see him not making the list, you know, just because of percentages reasons? Well, I heard AJ at the top of the show, so I'm here to speak for all the biased, despicable, <laughs> irrational, unreasonable, <laughs> idiot writers. He and forgot some adjectives. That group. <laughs> so, forgot some. Jeffield, Jeffield is a guy that, if you're going by the Hall of Fame tracker that Ryan Thibodeau puts out there, he's right on the border, and usually, Todd, when the announcement is made and the actual vote is revealed, the guys come in at less than what they were showing at the tracker. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, that's always the trend. So I do expect him to miss. It's his last year on the ballot. I voted for him. He's an interesting candidate. He's a divisive candidate in many ways. I don't know that the steroid thing, which was really small with him, if anything, holds him back as much as the perception that he was a one-way player. He was a slugger and a Great slugger, all-time slugger, but defensively he didn't do much. And that, to me, is something that probably holds him back. In my view, 509 home runs, the bat waggle, all that supersedes everything else. It's just enough for me. But I can see where some voters don't feel that way. The other guy that I'm looking at that I'm not sure is going to get to 75% is Billy Wagner. And I'm basing this, again, on where he is with the tracker. He's right above the threshold, but... Right above might not be good enough because, again, the vote totals or the percentages are going to drop once we get the actual announcement. Billy Wagner, in my view, is a Hall of Famer. And I say this all the time. You've got to consider closers as actual players and judge them accordingly for their position. It's not like there's some subset of baseball animal that we separate. They're real baseball players. And Billy Wagner... I know he only threw a little over 900 innings, but he had an all-time great strikeout rate, an all-time great ERA for his position, and in my view, he should be in. 
Ken, you, you mentioned uh, Billy Wagner. He's in his ninth year. Sheffield's in his tenth year. What, what if a guy's a Hall of Famer? He's a Hall of Famer. So why does it take some guys first year guys? Some gears like Purple Eleven got in what his fifteenth year, his last year on the ballot. What, what's the difference? What what changes in voters' minds? Are they just talked into it after all this time? Or are they peer pressured into it? Because if you're a Hall of Famer, you're a Hall of Famer, and you should get in. Now, now for me personally, and I, I'll speak on this, that I feel like if you're a first ballot Hall of Famer, you're one of the all-time greats. Like Adrian Beltre to me, first ballot Hall of Famer. I look at the rest of that list, and I'm like, okay, these guys are probably Hall of Famers, but they shouldn't be first ballot guys because they're not like generational stars. Beltre to me was, you know, Look at whatever number for third baseman you want to put out there. He's an all-time great third baseman. So what's the difference between a Hall of Famer and then in the 10th year they become a Hall of Famer? AJ, of all the criticisms the writers get for the vote, this is the fairest. Well-deserved. Well-deserved. This is the, this is the <laughs> fairest one because it is curious to a fan, and I'll try to explain some of the rationales here. There are a number of different reasons that go into it. One is simply that the ballot for many years was very crowded and we're only allowed to vote for 10, so you weren't getting all of the players you want on the ballot in your particular vote. And as players get inducted, as players fall off the ballot, you could add guys. So that's why you will see guys show up in their fifth or sixth years. The steroid era also complicated things. For many years, I didn't vote for Clemens and Bonds, and eventually I just decided, well, there are guys who we believe use steroids that are in the Hall of Fame, and these guys are alleged to have used it, and that's why I'm going to include them now. And I draw the line with others, but that is also a factor. Another thing, and this is, again, something that I understand a lot of people might not understand. I try to keep an open mind every year and try to take in as much information as I can. And Burt Blylevin, you mentioned him, he's actually a great example. As time has gone on and as the sabermetric movement has taken hold in the sport, We've come to view certain players differently. And Burt Blylevin is one that certainly we developed a greater appreciation for as a voting group as the sabermetric movement basically enlightened us. So that happens too. And then there are situations where over time you just feel differently about a player. And maybe another player gets in and you say, well, if he got in, then I should look, about, look at this one differently. And then finally, and I know I'm giving a lot of reasons here, Social media pressure is a thing. And the pressure also to not be the guy to exclude or the woman to exclude a player if he's that close to the Hall of Fame. You have people who bark at you on social media when you release your ballot, which is fine. That's all part of it. It's deserved in many cases, and it's just part of it. But at the same time, I do believe some voters kind of get queasy about it, and their votes are influenced accordingly. I want to... Yes, this one, the last one for the Hall of Famer for me question. Two guys. You see a guy like David Wright. He, he's top five in some numbers as third baseman. Um, you know, he's, he's got a lot of years go, to go to get to stay on this ballot. Can you see him moving up uh, as the years go on, depending on what the Hall of Fame ballot looks like? And then a guy like A-Rod, I, you don't have to dive deep into it, but it's only in his third year. Um, you know, could be a hot subject to talk about. He gets to his sixth, seventh, eighth year all of a sudden. Some people change, you know, your mindsets because his numbers were good. You talk about steroids, this and that. Could you see some possibility of those two guys climbing the ranks? David Wright's a really interesting one. And actually, he ties into AJ's question as well. Now, I didn't vote for him this year. I do believe he's going to get the 5% necessary to stay on the ballot. 
And as players with less volume maybe get more consideration, I'm talking about Joe Maurer to some extent, but really guys like Chase Utley, Andrew Jones, some others, guys who don't have the counting numbers, the longevity, then perhaps David Wright you look at in a different way. And voters start to say, okay, maybe we should be acknowledging players who had these extraordinary peaks in a better way than we have in the past. I can see the case mounting. I don't think his case is quite as strong as Utley's, but it's pretty good. And he's a guy that I didn't think much about until Jason Stark wrote about him in The Athletic a couple of months ago and said, we need to look at this guy. And I would agree with that. A-Rod, I don't know that he's going to get in ever. And the difference between A-Rod and Manny Ramirez and other players who are alleged to have used steroids, let's use Bonds and Clemens as an example. A-Rod and Manny Ramirez were suspended by baseball for using steroids because they violated a policy that came into effect while they were playing. So after the rules were in effect, after the penalties were in place, these guys still did it. And for me, that's a hard line to cross. I, I have a hard time knowing that they consciously, willingly continued or took steroids, performance-enhancing drugs, and kept going, knowing that the sport officially sanctioned them for it, or was going to officially sanction them for, the, for it if they were caught. That's where I draw my line. Other voters don't draw the line there and say they're fine, everybody is fine, and I vote for all of them. But I remember that time period when A-Rod was fighting, when he was suing everybody, when he was lying. And it's just hard for me to say, okay, I'm going to make him a Hall of Famer when his career, his accomplishments are very much in question. And it's just a tough one for me. I'm 1,000% on the same page on that front. Ken, thank you very much. And also for FT fans, if you want to get more reaction after they make those announcements official and we find out who's in, hit the uh, FT YouTube channel and you'll hear some reactions from AJ and Ken and myself. And then lastly, also Ken's back tomorrow with, should I say who it is? Should I reveal it now? The special guest joining us for like a little Hall of Fame reaction among other things. AJ, you want to announce it? Don't say it. Am I being told don't say it? Oh, oh, go for it? Okay. AJ, why don't you say it? Well, as certain people used to call them in Baltimore, the Twin Towers are joining us tomorrow. Ken Rosenthal <laughs> and Tim Kirchin are going to play a one-on-one -on -one game and also discuss the Hall of Fame ballot. Well, I lose the one-on-one -on -one game, or I lost it many times with Tim. Tim's a great basketball player. Well, guys, I listen, I'm coming on tomorrow. Newspapers. I'll be on Tim's with Ken best. tomorrow. We'll have a really good time. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to come on yeah, now. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think I might. It's going to be good anyway. So for people to see, we'll wrap all that up tomorrow with Tim Kirkenden <laughs> joining uh, Ken and, and the rest of the FT crew. So Ken, thank you very much. We'll catch you later. Thanks, guys. And also Fair Territory is up there for you on YouTube and wherever you get your pods. As you can see, there's some Hall of Fame conversation, but uh, the Josh Hader signing, the A's planless 2025. Um more on Kershaw, State of Print Media's good stuff in there too on the Sports Illustrated um, madness that went on in the last few days. Let's do our bet MGM World Series odds. The Chicago White Sox entered the season with mid expectations, and they did not live no. up to those mid expectations, right? Not at I mean, all. I think there were some people like, yeah, this could be like a 500 ish team, maybe mess around in contention. 
in the AL Central. And by midseason, they were a total mess. Um, they did not perform well. There was plenty of crap going on off the field, too. And they went from plus 3,500 to put a hundo down. And if they win the World Series, you win 25 Gs. Yeah. They ain't winning. And, of course, didn't <laughs> make the playoffs. Look at their World Series odds right now. Yeah. Plus 25,000, just like it was in mid-July. So right now, those BetMGM odds are like, this is not a team. Because they're not going to do this unless they think this is a team that's like not even going to sniff playoff contention or even just make one of those surprise runs, right? Like, this is not good. This is where you buy high and when they get Blake Snell. (laughs) 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 I tell you what, here's a better bet. Here's a better bet for you guys. They, they lost what they lose 100 they lost 100 games last year was it 101 last well, year i think hundreds, it was yeah yeah i know it was it over 100 will they win will they lose 100 games is a better bet will they will it will they lose more over or less than they wins. lost yeah. last year we got to do that one they were 101 by the way um yeah over under a hundo hmm. i think they might be there you think they might lose 100 again I think I if I had to pick right now, yeah, unless something Oof. else crazy happens. Oof. Gosh, another rough year of being a White Sox fan. Thanks, Todd. <laughs> That's really not gonna, doesn't mean it's <laughs> going to happen because I said so. Yeah. I know, but, I mean, just the, just the fact that you said that that quickly is what scares you, right, yeah. as a fan? If you ask someone know. that, they should be like, oh, hell no. We yeah. ain't losing 100 again, but you're like, oh, I think they might do it. That's like, oh, yeah. no. I, I think they might too, so – I do think maybe you improve some of what's gone on behind the scenes there. But like we talked about earlier, you do have to have talent too. And the big one for me that puts it over the top is Dylan Cease. I think he is going to be traded over the next few weeks. And that is your guy right now. And he he did not have a great year, although there's some other factors involved, including really bad defense behind him. But he, he did not, by his standards, not even close have a good year. But in my mind, if they're going to get off of the 100 loss conversation, it's because Dylan Cease goes back to the 2022 version. And he might, but I don't think he's going to do it on the White Sox. So they're doing another little teardown. There's nothing better as a new GM than proposing your five-year plan. So I do think that's probably what we're looking at for this team. I, I like the switching it up. I like some of the guys that they bring in that have some upside. You know, a Mike Soroka who was brilliant early on in his career and then went through a ton of injuries. But overall, I just don't see it. I mean, they took away much more in terms of talent from their team. I mean, you know, even a a Garrett Crochet, another guy coming off a bad year, if you look at the ERA. But the the years before that, it's a really effective reliever when he's on the field. So I just think there's not enough talent there to convince me otherwise. You look at the rest of the division, the Twins haven't done shit, but they're still good. The Guardians are definitely better than them. They'll probably be about the same, and they have one of the better farm systems. I don't love Cleveland, but they're definitely a much better team than the White Sox, and they'll give them problems. When you start looking at the bottom of the division is when it becomes a problem. I think Kansas City is going to be better. They did shit this offseason, and it's another team that they've struggled to find good pitching. But, I mean, another year of Bobby Witt, MJ Melendez, and then, of course, you bring in a Seth Lugo, Michael Waka, etc., they're going to be better than the White Sox. So, yeah, for me, AJ, it's a great question. I put them in the same realm, like low hundos, like maybe 100, 101, something like that. I'm, I'd be curious to see when we get closer to the start of the season what their over-under is when we play those games and um, what the BetMGM odds have them at. But I'm, I'm going – I'll go 101, just like last year. Wow. Thanks, guys. 
Thanks. <laughs> what about you? They're going to win the division. Well, you should probably ah! throw down a hundred bucks, and get twenty-five G's back. Then oh, I wish I could say that with a straight face. Um, yeah, it's, it might be another rough year for the old White Sox. Um, as much as I, I, I like some of the moves they made, bummer for in Soroka and all those guys. Uh, Fetty was great in, in KBO. Uh, I just, I, I still wonder, you know, where the offense is going to come from. Uh, Maldonado, if he plays enough, isn't going to hit. Is he going to hit enough? Um, just I'd like to see some other moves where they actually spend more money, um, but that's not their MO, and they got to find some players. You know, Montgomery's coming. Uh, their shortstop prospects, Noah Schultz, a big lefty's coming. So, you know, but gosh, you know, it just it's they just went through a long rebuild. They made the playoffs two years ago, and now it looks like they're going through another one, even though they won't call it that. So it's it's a rough time to be a pale hose fan now. But hey, fans, we stick together, we stick through it, and. Uh, Let's go White Sox. We're going to do a little uh, bottom feeder therapy right now before we do slap hands. <laughs> so we have a few minutes for a breaking news signing as uh -oh. I'm getting some notifications on Twitter. And of course, our awesome FT fam throwing it up really quickly that uh, outfielder. I'll read this one from Bob Nightingale. Outfielder Joey Gallo gets another shot after his offensive struggles the past three years. He signs a one year contract. Wait, let, with me, let me think. What, you're going to guess who he signed with? National or American League? It is the National League. Cincinnati Reds. Nope. <sighs> AJ, you want to guess and probably you'll look down and just have the answer? I don't have it on mine. I, I already know who it is, so I can't. I'm uh, not gonna... Go ahead, announce I'll, it, AJ. I mean, it's it's uh, the team I said was going to make a splash. This wasn't a splash that I was counting on, but it's the Washington Nationals. And, man, mm -hmm. I wish I could hit 190 or 170 or 140 or whatever it is and – Keep signing million dollar contracts because that would have been a fun that would have been a fun life. Five million plus One year, incentives. Five million. According yeah, to John still. Heyman with the money. Wow. The year no, before no, you was said the million. I, I said five. No, millions, <laughs> millions, millions. Oh, millions. Because the year before yes. was the twins, he signed, remember? After he had the contract with the Yankees. 11. And would, yeah. And he hit what? 140 the year before, and then he did it again? I mean, te man, teams are just they're, they're, eventually though, I guess they'll find a hitting Guys, coach that can figure it out. You're not signing Joey Gallo for his batting average. No, you're, what are you signing him for? You're signing for his power potential. So Hopefully potential better gets you on paid. the on-base percentage front. He is a great athlete. So I mean, all, you, hey, you should be his agent, Scott. Made, I, 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 hey, how about this? Do you know what his OPS plus was last year? 100 league average? What do you think he was at? It should 90. be about 40, but it won't be. 95. He had a 177 batting clip last year. His OPS plus was... 101. Yeah. You know what that tells me? Walks are so overrated, and OPS <laughs> Plus is not the stat you should base your decisions off of. Yeah. Okay. I'm serious because think about it. Yeah, I get there's – yeah, it's a stat. He was above a league average hitter, 177 last year. How many homers did he hit? I don't have his thing. I got it all for you. 21 homers, 40 RBIs, but only about half a season's worth of plate appearances. He was at 332 plate appearances, 282 at-bats. He had 142 punch-outs. So every um, other time he walked walks. into the plate, he punched out. Correct. So he punched out 100 half the time. He hit 20 homers. So... Hey, don't hate the player, hate the game. Baby. No, I'm, I'm not hating. I'm just saying it's a, yeah. it's there's certain stats that like you can you can tweak to make a guy look good or bad, and this is one of them. Like he's not an above league average hitter for me. It's my opinion. 
Joey Gallo is a nice yeah. guy. Listen, he's a nice sure. guy. I mean, he's a great guy. He's a super athlete. You know, he's all the things Scott, his agent, said. Uh, he plays good defense when he's out there. But, I mean, you know, I feel like there's a million guys you can find that can go up there and hit 170 and try to hit a home run every time. I don't know. True. I mean, I played with him in Texas. Loved him. I, Did you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. For a little bit. Give me the scouting report on, on old Joey as a person and, and what you he, saw. Obviously, because no, you man, probably had worked, him for some bro. glory days. Yeah, he, what year was it? 20. 2000, so, right? The COVID year. Okay. So he, 2020, he, I mean. He, um, he's, was... he's undercover for one of the funniest dudes you'll ever meet, too, bro. He's witty. Um, you know, he's a little crazy, too, which I like, so. Hopefully, I brought some goodness out of him. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him, like AJ is. He's happy for everybody. Yeah, it's it's one of those, I think, could be could be lightning in a bottle for the Nationals. All of a sudden, he has a resurgence, gets something, tweaks with his swing, and understands that doubles are good, too, like all that stuff. No, it could be, could be a really good pickup for him. So happy for him that he made this deal. Because guess what? It's getting late. It's getting late, and it's getting late. So if you could find something like this and he can get this done, sign me away. Let's go. Mm-hmm. You know, now they platoon him. I, I think that they were starting to do that, right, last year with Minnesota. So just let him hit against right-handed pitching. Start to kind of put him in the right situation or at least to help out. You, you think know, the teams haven't done that? The teams haven't done that for the last few years? They've been trying this. Yeah, the Dodgers did that, right? The Twins did it last year. I know. I mean, listen, I I'm happy. That. Listen, get every dollar you can. I'm happy that Joey Gallo keeps getting chances. It's just it's amazing to me that that he keeps getting chances. I mean, I'm happy for him. Like, I like. Yeah. I mean, he was in when I was with the Rangers. He was a young pup just out of high school as a draft pick, and I got to talk to him. He was awesome. Greg Maddox called me over and goes, "Hey, I want you to watch this kid hit," and it was Joey Gallo. And I was like, "Damn, that dude's got some pop." And then they were like, "Yeah, look at his numbers," and I did. And then he became what he became. And it just, but listen, get every dollar you can, Joe. You're, mm-hmm. I, I like you as a play, person. This is not. I, I'm just saying, it's just amazing. Yeah. That, I. I I would say this might be his last big chance, though, too, as well. So, big chance, I yeah. Would say, <laughs> for um, sure. I, I will, I will I say I think also, he would agree with that as, as knowing what he's been through. Yeah, for regular ABs and all of that and obviously getting millions mm-hmm. of dollars, like if it's a total flub of year, You have to remember that this wasn't a total flub of a season, at least according to many front offices. That's what they're looking yeah. at. <laughs> they say, hey, he's got league average offense for us and you got to take a heavy dose of K's and the fact that I mean, he's a fresh 30 years old and he's had a lot of success in the past. Yes. Super heavy strikeout guy, but he's capable of 40 plus homers. Yes. And the Washington nationals signed a player a year ago who was coming off a season where he hit 217. His OPS plus was 81 in 2022, a 272 on base percentage. Do you know who that for the same money? Do you know who that player was? Lane Thomas. Jamer Candelario. Oh, nice. He had a great year for the Nats. They were able to flip him for some prospects from the Cubbies. I will say this for the Nats. You sign players like this who you feel like still have something left in the tank and give them everyday Bs because you're not going to be a playoff contender this year. And this is just like we're talking about with Chapman and the Pirates. If you're one of those teams and you're trying to build yourself back up, you can't just sit around in the offseason. You still have to do something. Not going to necessarily spend or convince certain players that now is the time. But Gallo's kind of the perfect guy for a situation like Mm -hmm. this. It's low pressure. And if it works out, they get a couple prospects out of it, which is a huge win for the Nationals. Right? Yes, sir. True. Agree. Agree. Candelario was one of the big success stories from a signing perspective. 
Yeah. He, he turned around and got himself a little three-year 45 action from the Reds just now. Whoopsie. Yeah. All right, so we, we broke away for a while there for some breaking <laughs> news, but let's swing it back to a little uh, BetMGM action to uh, the BetMGM Sportsbook account holders who uh, want to be in the Playoff Football Challenge. You can create an entry in the Million Dollar Playoff Football Challenge with an opportunity to win a share of a million bucks in bonus bets if you predict the three playoff football questions correctly out of the eligible users. Each entry period has three questions, so... Get into the app, go to the uh, promotions tab and go submit an entry and check that out. And one entry per customer is permitted per entry period. Gambling problem or concern, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, we have the Winter Poker Open going down on Wednesday afternoon right after the show. AJ and myself will be actively on social media, um, especially on the BetMGM Poker account. So if you want to see... AJ trash talking some of the best poker pros on the planet, then stay tuned tomorrow. We'll give you more information. AJ and me will be on from Borgata tomorrow for the show. We'll do some hall of fame wrap up. And if you missed us earlier, Ken Rosenthal and Tim Kirkjian included on the guest list for tomorrow's show. Slap hands. Let's do it. All right, AJ, you ready? You want to do a fake Kratz hat? I like your hat today. <laughs> there it is. Get it. Oh, FoulTerritoryShop.com. We, we had a pretty wacky day. Uh, Same I'm one looking... from the first show. 250 today, by the way. What's 250? I think it's our 250th show today, isn't it? Is it? Oh, shit. I'm not good at that. But, yeah, all right. If it is, awesome. Great. 250 so. shows already. Is that what someone said? Someone in the chat will tell us at some point. I thought it was, um, yeah. I could, I'm probably wrong. But. No, you're right. You're right. This is show 250. Yeah, good for me for noticing. I was just looking at the outfield depth chart. I'm like, oh, Jerry Gallo is going to get a lot of playing time until James Wood gets <laughs> called up. I'm telling you, he's going to get a Let's shot. Go. He had a big Let's April. Go. We'll see what happens. Uh, we're on at Bergata on Wednesday, tomorrow's show. So we'll see everyone Is it then. just me and you? It's just you just and I? just you and me, dude. You and me. Wow. One on one. No, two on two. You and me against Kirkajin and, and Kenny Ballgame. We could take them, dude. I would love to dunk on <laughs> Rosenthal's head. Oh, the bullies against oh. the uh, brains. So we'll see everyone for tomorrow. By the way, man. good luck to everybody. Hall of Fame. Yes. Voting. Adrian, congratulations. You're in. Yeah, uh, exactly. The other guys, good luck and congratulations to whoever get in. Well deserved. We're coming back on with some clips, so look at the FT channel soon in the next few hours. We'll have the Real Talk coverage for you, as usual. See you soon. Happy New Year. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.